What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the last episode of the first season of Future Leads Podcast, where every Friday, not only we talk about this lovely game of football, but we also talk about life. I'm your host, Parsa. In today's episode, we have an interesting, interesting guest who um, is a bit different from the previous guest, okay? He is my eye doctor, and I believe he has a lot of value uh, for this uh, episode. And without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Mojalo. How are you? Thank you so much for uh, being on today's podcast. Good morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, why don't you tell uh, the audience a bit about yourself, just a short introduction, and then we will get into the questions. Sure. So my name is Dr. Mojalo. I'm a, a part of the group over at Acuity Vision Care. And one of the interests that I have is in sports vision and how we can help athletes improve their overall performance, not just by focusing on their strength training and skills training, but actually focusing on their vision and how they can process their vision faster and um, kind of improve their skills uh, by having better visual performance. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, let's get started with that. What is um, eye coordination training and why is it important for athletes, especially for soccer players? Sure. So I want to kind of back up a little bit. So one of the things that we do, you know, with, for example, with soccer players um, or football players, basically, you know, a lot of a lot of focus is always given to their skills and their strength and their stamina. Um, but if you think about it, what else is going on for any soccer player? Um, well, they're using their eyes. They're processing where the ball is, where other team members are, where the opponents are, where things are within the within the pitch. And so it's very important for them to process all of this information in real time. And they have to do so constantly. So it's not a static game. It's not like bowling where things are just sitting there and you know, you're rolling the ball and the pins aren't moving. These players are moving, their opponent's moving, their team is moving. And so the eyes are constantly tracking these targets. And so you need to know how far away they are. Um, so if you're going to pass the ball, you don't want to overshoot, you don't want to undershoot. Or if you're trying to, you know, score a goal, you want to make sure that, you know, you kind of know where the position of the goalie is and other and other team members and other opponents so that you can process where exactly to put the ball in order to kind of improve your likelihood of, of, of getting the ball within the goal. Um, so because of all of that stuff that's going on, we want to improve the speed and to make all of that happen faster and be more accurate. And so that's where vision training kind of comes in. That's interesting. Like you mentioned, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, I'd never thought about it when I was uh, younger, that your eye coordination is very, very important when it comes to football, soccer, right? Because like you said, when the ball's moving, you got to have see exactly where it's going. And not a lot of players, not a lot of people just pay attention to that. They solely focus on ball control, which is very important. Like those things are very essential. But at the same time, that that part about the eye coordination is very undervalued, um, in my opinion. Um, so 
I, I, first of all, I want to ask this: Is soccer like uh, the most uh, popular sport for your um, trainings? Like, are the, are the mo- most of your clients like soccer players, or which uh, sport is the most popular? So, so um, soccer is one, but uh, baseball is a, is another big one. Um, so, baseball, for example, I mean, if you think about it, you have a fast-moving target. You're trying to hit that target, and you're also trying to kind of place it in a particular. Um, area in the field so that's another um, big one because and honestly I mean if you think about it most sports uh, require a good sense of depth a good sense of where your body is in relation to other things Um, so it could be you know I kind of made the joke about bowling but even with bowling you need to have a good sense of depth you need to have good hand-eye coordination so really any sport could benefit from, um, you know, vision training. And there's a lot of studies out there that have shown that athletes actually, you know, once you kind of reach a certain level with your strength training and your skills training, the next step is to kind of improve your vision so that you can kind of go to the next level. And so a lot of these studies show that in doing vision training, football players, um, and sorry if I kind of use the word football back and forth because I know you know many parts of the world refer to soccer as football. So everyone but, like America, football. yeah. <laughs> so you know American football versus uh, world football, we'll call it that. Right. Um, yeah. And baseball, lacrosse, softball, all of these sports um, can all really benefit and have shown to benefit from vision training. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, how long? Uh, how long ago did you start uh, focusing on that? Like, obviously, you are an eye, eye doctor, but uh, when did uh, did it occur to you that okay, I actually want to help the athletes on this aspect because it's very important. Sure. So I actually had um, a couple of patients who were just coming in for like general eye exams and. You know, I started talking with them and I always like to know what patients do. And so in, in kind of getting in that conversation, I found out that, you know, one of one of the patients, he was a baseball player and he was always having kind of very specific problem. And his specific problem was catching the pop flies. And so he'd always be off. He'd either undershoot, overshoot, trying to catch it. Um And so I decided, you know what, let me do an evaluation on how he's processing his vision because his visual acuity was fine. We could get him to 20-20, no problems. So I knew he could see the ball, but the problem was he wasn't, you know, his hand-eye coordination was off basically. And so in doing the evaluation, I came to find out that, you know, for example, if we're looking at a target, let's say directly in front of us, both eyes have to kind of focus in on that target. But what he was doing is one eye was focusing on the target. The other eye was kind of off a little bit and it was subtle. So looking at him, it didn't look like the eyes were crossed, but measuring that and seeing that he was off kind of sparked it in my mind that, Hey, you know what? Let's take a look at these types of things. And sure enough, as I kind of investigated his processing a little bit more, I realized that, yeah, he was having a lot of depth um, perception problems, which were really subtle and weren't being picked up in just kind of the general exam, but when we started to kind of look at it more. And then, so then I started to work with him and train him 
And then he was so excited because he was able to catch the ball and, you know, it made his day. And so from then on, I started to kind of be a little bit more aware of this. Um, and so, you know, patients, especially that said, Hey, you know, I'm doing sports. And then I'd start to get into it a little bit more with them. Are they having problems? For example, like basketball players, you know, free throws, things like that. Um, so we started to talk a little bit more and investigate it in our patients. And we realized that, Hey, you know what, this is something that's actually, there's a lot of people that are having this problem and they're making accommodations for it, or they're just getting frustrated and giving up the sport because they're like, you know what, I really love this sport, but I'm just not good at it. Well, it's not that they're not good at it. It's just that their eyes are kind of, you know, off a little bit. And so it's making them, um, you know, making their game a little bit worse because of that. And so that's kind of where it started. And, um, geez, probably about 15 years or so now. And so as I was getting into it, I was also at the same time noticing that we're getting a lot of patients with concussions and Hmm. patients that have these concussions are starting to exhibit a lot of problems that are very similar um, in nature. And so they can be addressed using vision therapy. And so I kind of then snowballed a little bit more. And and then I realized that, hey, you know what, we can actually kind of help some of these concussions from occurring if we do something proactively and get, um, get some of these athletes in before they have a concussion to kind of help improve their eye teaming, their hand-eye coordination. And in doing so, um, that could potentially reduce some of the risks. Um, and then some of the studies out there show that patients, or, or not you I mean athletes that have done vision, uh, vision training, they have a, a slightly lower risk of a concussion. Not to say that it's not gonna happen, but I mean, it can still happen, but it just lowers the risk a little bit because they're a little bit more aware of where things are their hand-eye coordination, and so they can kind of miss some of those potential hazards, which would lead to a concussion. So that's how I've kind of grown into this uh, niche of, you know, with athletes and concussions and and proactively kind of getting into the vision training. I love that. That's basically, it was basically natural, like from the, from that baseball player. That's amazing. And I, I know that, that you can prevent concussions, help prevent right. what by improving your eye coordination and vision care. That's that's very powerful because I did not know that. And when did you find that out like that? Okay, there's a correlation between that and that. Because like, concussions usually happen like simultaneously, right? So it doesn't, um, it's not like you see it happening. You might just like, collide with another player right away so it's kind of like whoa so how can we like where's the correlation on that i like that topic sure sure so you know and i don't mean to imply that it prevents all concussions by any means right um so basically what happens is let's say for example you know you're a football player and you're you know you're you're the quarterback and you're about to kind of throw a pass and through the side of your vision at the same time that you're focusing on who you want to throw the ball to off to the side, you also notice that players coming in at you. So this awareness is what's going to help reduce your risk of concussion because maybe then that'll make your decision a split second faster. You'll toss the ball and step out of the way. 
And so that would help reduce your risk for concussion. Um, whereas if you haven't had the training and you're solely focused on the guy in front of you that you're trying to connect the pass to, you may miss this guy out here and until he's a little closer and then boom, concussions occurred. So those are the types of scenarios where, you know, it's, it's going to help reduce the concussion rate, not the soccer player who is, you know, about to head the ball, who knows what he's doing and he's going to head the ball that may still potentially give him a concussion. Um, but in situations where he's going to head the ball and then there, there's a guy coming in off to the side, he kind of braces himself a little bit more for that impact. Again, that would reduce his um, risk for concussion or as the severity of the concussion even. And so those are the types of scenarios um, that, that we're looking at. And so a lot of, and I wish I could take credit for this, but it was um, stuff that I, I read about um, that they were doing in some of the um, universities where they were looking at the college athletes and they were just kind of looking at correlations between different sports and, you know, rate and incidence of concussion. And then they were starting to also look at um, vision therapy and how vision therapy would help reduce some of these risks. And so, you know, reading those studies, I was like, hey, you know what, let me look at some of my own patients and see if there's that's any correlation. That's, that's interesting. So it's basically like an alert, like yeah. it's alerting that player that, oh, right away, like there's someone coming. Oh, I understand that now. That makes sense. And I want to go back to like when you uh, talked about that baseball player that when like he switched eye to eye. Like, I think it's kind of like a usual thing. Like, when you close one eye and look with only one eye, you see an object in front of you, but then when you switch it, the object moves. So what is that? Like, I always wanted to ask that question. Like, what is the sure. reason for sure. that? So, so just like you're, you're, you have hand dominance, you also have eye dominance. And so when you're looking, a lot of times your dominant eye, so things are kind of getting lined up with your dominant eye. Um, the best way to kind of think about it is uh, imagine kind of lines coming out from your eyes and intersecting in space. So they kind of form a little triangle. And so everything kind of gets skewed a little bit more towards your, um, your, your dominant eye. And so think of the triangle being skewed a little bit more towards your dominant eye. And so when you're looking with the dominant eye and you line things up, then you look with the non-dominant eye, the image just naturally shifts because we have two eyes that are kind of separated a little bit. If they were both right here in the center, yeah. then you wouldn't see any movement. But then you'd also have less depth perception because one of the reasons why we have depth perception is because as the eyes kind of turn in or turn out, it gives us a relative sense of how far things are. Um, if I can kind of just... Uh, digress for a moment think about animals the whole predator and prey so animals that are prey tend to have their eyes kind of further out to the side because it gives them a wider um, field of vision yeah. and they don't necessarily need to know the depth because if there's something coming this way they need to know that there's something coming this way not how far it is whereas the predator who's trying to get the prey the eyes are closer in together so it gives them a sense of depth so they know how far they are from the prey that they're trying to get. 
Um, and so it's because of where the position of the eyes are. And that's, you know, that's the reason why we have kind of that movement. So when you're lining things up with one eye and then the other eye, you're kind of, if you're using your dominant eye and looking at it, your dominant eye shouldn't move. But then when you go to the non-dominant eye, you see the shift. Wow. That just opened my eyes. No pun intended. <laughs> that just actually opened my eyes. More like I'm looking at it. Wow. All right. We're going to take a quick break from the podcast. And if you're enjoying this episode so far, please share it with your friends and family as it's the only way we can grow this podcast. Well, besides leaving five-star review. <laughs> Thank you in advance. And now let's get back to the podcast. That's interesting. So is there is there a way to um, balance the dominance? Like, not like all the way, because obviously there's always going to be one dominant side, but like, can we bring it from like, let's say 60 to 40 to like 51 to 49? Is that possible? Sure. Um, that's a good question. And honestly, I, I, I can't say that I have a good answer to that. Um, what we really focus in on, because, you know, it's, it's not so much improving the dominance of one eye versus the other eye to kind of balance it out, but to make the um, targeting of both eyes more accurate. So that, for example, when you're looking at something, you're not over-converging the eyes, meaning that you're thinking, for example, so if, if this is my original intended target, I don't want my eyes to start here and then realize that, oh, no, wait, the target's back there and move it there, or vice versa behind the uh, behind the target and then move it in so our focus is primarily to get the two eyes to coordinate properly on the target and not over or under converge the dominance is not so much an issue but the alignment and uh, getting them to be together so you know i i, I honestly couldn't tell you whether we yeah. can we can change that or not I understand. Yeah, that makes that, that, that's a good answer though. It, what causes that though? What causes that um over or under perception? Is there like something that is causing that or are you born with it or what is that? So a lot of things actually. So some people are actually born with that. Um and being born with it doesn't necessarily mean that there's other problems going on. So it's not um patients that have like severe neurologic defects. It could be something very simple as within their development. So usually like a, a child's development is first crawling and then standing and then walking. But what we find is sometimes they will go from just, um, you know, sitting to standing or they'll go through a very quick crawling phase. And so when that happens, a lot of times we find that their eye alignment can be off a little bit. Um, some patients, for example, they're born with one eye doesn't see as well as the other. And until that's picked up later on in life, that throws off their eye alignment. But then there are other patients who develop this as a result of some kind of injury, for example, um, whether it be a concussion or other kind of traumatic injury. Um, there's actually, there's, so there's um, six muscles that control the movement of the eye. And so each eye has these six muscles. And so there's got to be proper um, alignment in order for you to, in order for the brain to overlap the images. And then when it doesn't, the brain starts to ignore the image from one eye. And so when that happens, um, the eye alignment goes off. And so 
in very severe cases, those are the people that you see where one eye is straight, the other eye is kind of pointing out. So those, you know, you, you could pick that up. But in most cases, it's a lot more subtle. And so what we can then do is in training the muscles. So you kind of, um, it's almost like physical therapy for the eye muscles, mm-hmm. uh, where you start to teach them through biofeedback that, okay, when this eye is pointing here, this eye has to point here too. Otherwise, when it doesn't, it, we have a feedback loop that it tells it that it's off. Um, and that feedback loop can be uh, creating double vision within the patient because you know nobody, the brain just doesn't like double vision. It would rather have a blurry image than a double image. And so by using exercises that induce the double vision, then the patient can kind of realize that, okay, hey, wait, my eyes are off target. And then the brain just starts to recalibrate how much it needs to turn that muscle in. And so most of these cases, it's just because the nerve to one muscle and the nerve to one muscle aren't you know, properly synced up. And it's just by creating that biofeedback, we help them sync up. Um, but the reasons why it happens, again, are, are variable from just development to actually injury where it can occur. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so when you, t- you talked about the six muscles that I has for, for the vision training that you do for athletes, um, what are some training, uh, trainings that not all of them, I don't want you to tell me all of the trails, you know, sure. uh, but like some all the common ones, that, deep, right? Right. <laughs> some common ones that you basically, uh, have all athletes do for their, uh, eye muscles to um, improve on. Sure. So, you know, um, one of the, one of the, um, one of the exercises that we'll have them do is, is called like the Marsden ball. So basically what that is, is it's just a ball that's hanging from the ceiling, but what they're doing is they're tracking that ball. And as they're tracking that ball, it's working on several different components of their vision. So it's moving, it's causing them to converge their eyes, which is what they're going to have to do in any sport, they're going to be constantly converging and diverging their eyes. And what I mean by converging is kind of turning in the eyes. And you can see that when you look at a target as it's moving in, your eyes are converging. And then as it's moving out, they're diverging. And so with the Marsden ball, we help kind of train the speed and the accuracy of that convergence and divergence. But at the same time, there's also this lateral movement that's occurring. And that lateral movement would be like their teammate is running across the field. And so they need to be able to track them. But if you think about it, that guy's not running in a straight line. He's kind of moving in, moving out, you know, different things. And so that's what that Marsden ball is doing. And we have ways of kind of tracking how accurately they're doing that and then providing a biofeedback loop again. So when they are off target, we bring them back on target. And so we can then kind of speed this up and kind of increase the swing um, to kind of make it more and more difficult. And then we start to throw in other aspects into this that then again makes it more difficult. Because again, when you're running, you're not standing still, right? You're running, you're moving. And just in running, 
your eyes actually move because if you think about it, your head's going up and down. And so your eyes have to track accordingly. And so we can introduce that variability of position into it too. Um, right. And by doing that, again, we start to kind of stimulate, simulate the same type of thing that, that, that would be occurring in the real world. But the main difference is we're providing instantaneous biofeedback so that they can help kind of fine tune those movements as the events are occurring. Whereas like when they're playing the game and when they're practicing, it happens a lot slower. It makes me proud because uh, I do, um, ever since you talked to me about that the vision care uh, and like training and all that, I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I start, um, so when you said the Mars ball, Mars ball, right? Marsden ball, yeah. Marsden ball, yeah. Um, I have, like, I use a tennis ball, right? I just have it in my hand, just move it around for the players yeah. and just have them to follow. So that makes me proud to see I'm doing the right thing, basically. Yeah, not, you got not it. at that level, but it's a beginner level for them. Yeah, exactly. It's a That's start. You yeah, have an awareness of it, which is what's important because, you know, many trainers don't have that awareness or right. don't find the benefit but there really is, and it's good that you, you know, you're aware of that and that you're taking proactive steps to kind of incorporate that into your athletes. Yeah, well, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what, at what age do you recommend athletes to start vision training? Is it from like a very, very young age or is it a certain age specific? So what I what my kind of philosophy is if you're if you have the maturity to be in an athletic program you have the maturity to do the vision therapy portion too so you know I don't really set kind of an age um, guideline in that sense because I mean I have patients that come in for other reasons at a much younger age for vision therapy but you know if you're doing a youth league then you have the maturity level to do the vision therapy program because you're doing those kind of, um, you know, you're taking the steps to improve your, your training and to improve your performance in that sport. So this is just another component um, of it. And so as long as they are able to participate in the sport, I think they're old enough to do the training too. And, you know, the sooner they start, in my opinion, the better it is because what ends up happening is their vision improves alongside of their skills. And so they're constantly kind of working at everything, the whole body approach as opposed to, okay, it's, it's kind of like if they came to you and said, I just want to kick, you know, learning just to kick is not enough. There's so many other skills that go into it. And so I think that this is all part together and so having them all start at the same time or close to the same time is going to be the most beneficial for that athlete. Right. I totally agree with you because, like you said, it's a muscle. And how does a muscle grow by keep doing it and when you start doing it at very, uh, like earlier in your uh, sports journey? It helps you more. Like, I totally agree with you. It builds that muscle of basically the eyes and all that. That's amazing. Um, so I do want to ask you this because what is the motive of your vision training that you do with 
uh, athletes? Like, what is the main motive? Is it only just to help them with their um, eye coordination or just something more? Like, what is it? So what I like to do is when an athlete comes in, kind of get a sense of what they're doing, uh, you know, what sport they're playing, what are their, what are their, um, you know, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What areas are they having difficulty with? What areas are they not having difficulty with? And I like to kind of custom our, our plan accordingly. So, you know, if um, someone comes in who plays soccer versus someone who plays football comes in, they may have a completely different kind of uh, outcome that we're looking for or, or motive in their training. And some of their exercises may overlap, but how we do it, what we're, what our end goal is, is going to be different. Um, and so, you know, if we were to kind of look at overall general, our, our general, uh, I guess, motive, our general goal would be to increase reaction time, speed of the eyes, processing speed, um, and then also kind of their depth perception and visual processing, how quickly they kind of process all of this information together. So that would be kind of the general, but then we have to really specifically break it down for each individual athlete as to what they're trying to really accomplish. And that's going to vary between sport, between their strength level in the different components. That's great. I'm just, I was just thinking about those things that you're saying. That's, that's actually very great. And do you believe that it's still, um, it's still in an early stage of uh, its popularity, like the eye vision training. Because it's yes. not really spoken of a lot. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, what's interesting is a lot of um, colleges are starting to focus in on it. Um, there are some actual like um, professional teams that are starting to focus in on it, but it's definitely in its infancy. It's not something that. Um, you know, a lot of people know about. So I definitely appreciate you kind of bringing it to everyone's awareness. Um, I think that they definitely, the field is very young. Now, vision therapy itself is not very young. Vision therapy has been going on for a long time, but it's, you know, kind of um, it's, it's involvement in sports and it's improvement in sports performance is relatively young. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, this this episode is, in my opinion, I'm definitely going to watch it again. I'm definitely going to listen to it again because there are a lot of valuable stuff that I, as a trainer, as a coach, uh, will take value from a lot. And I hope the audience will as well. Um, but do you have any advice for young athletes that just uh, anything in, in mind? What kind of advice for vision advice? For vision, whatever. Like for young athletes, what do you think? Just or how about this? One vision advice and one general advice. Okay. <laughs> so, so vision advice. Um, my my vision advice is make sure you have your eyes checked, your eyes examined, and you know let your doctor know that you do participate in sports. And if you're having any trouble with your sport. Um, if there's any specific areas, even if you don't think it's eye related, just just bring it up to their attention 
because you'd be surprised at how many times there actually is a visual component um, because we do, I mean, everything in our world, vision, we take it in sensory, right? So it's one of our senses. It's one of the ways that we take things in. And so, um, you know, it, it can definitely impact a lot of things in your life. So um, if you're having any trouble, bring it up to your eye doctor. Make sure that you're getting yearly exams, even if you feel like you're seeing clearly and you're not having any trouble um, because there definitely can be some things that can be underlying, for example, that can be picked up. Um, but certainly as it relates to sports, um, there can be components that, that can be, that can be helped. Um, as far as overall general advice to athletes, um, you know, I kind of, I, this is kind of the motto that I have myself that, you know, whenever things get tough, you never give up. You just keep going. You just keep pushing through it. And I think it applies to sports. I think it applies to life that, just because you have a bad day, just because you can't train as hard, just because you can't do something doesn't mean that you'll never be able to. You just need to keep at it. You just need to keep pushing and you're going to break through that wall and eventually get to the other side. You're speaking my language right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. The mindset is a huge, huge thing. And um, not only for athletes, but in life as well, like you mentioned. And I definitely agree with you that especially younger uh, athletes, they don't have that awareness of their mindset. And it's very, very important. That's how it differentiates you from other athletes. You can have so much talent, but if your mindset is not at that, uh, if your mindset is not strong enough, it defeats yeah. the whole purpose. You're not going to reach your full potential. And I totally agree with you on that one. But um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for this um giving me this opportunity to speak with you and where can um where can people find you obviously uh locally uh, let me let them know about uh in virginia and also if they have any inquiries to email you or message you how can they find you yeah absolutely so um i can i'm i'm located here in ashburn um my practice name is acuity vision care and we can you can also find us on the web at mojvision.org m-o-j-v-i-s-i-o-n dot o-r-g and my email if you want to email me with any questions is just key as in peter m-o-j-a-l-l-a-l at mojvision.org and uh, phone number office phone number is 703-723-3433 and i'm open to any questions if you have any you know, any ideas, um, anything that you want to talk about or have questions on, feel free to call me or email me. Be more than happy. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely put all those links in the description for sure. And um, once again, thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, it was a very, very informative episode for sure. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to our last episode of this first season. Make sure to stay tuned for the second season coming in the next month. And besides that, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.